Well, good morning, family. How are y'all doing? I, uh, I have a, a question I want to ask you. Um, on Easter, we're trying to uh, decide if we're going to have um, uh, add a service in the morning, um, and if how many people would be interested. We, we're looking to, to add a 7.30 in the morning service and was wondering, is there any anybody like, would, like that would help them? I know sometimes on Easter people have places to go that it would help if they could come to an earlier service. With a show of hands, how many of you would be, um, well, I'd say very interested, very interested, you know, to go to a 7.30... <laughs> in the morning trail. You know, this is really an indicator. Because, let let me tell you, at the 9 o'clock service, which is quite a bit larger than this service was, um, half the the congregation put their hand up. The 9 o'clock people. They're the morning people. You're the 1045 people. Not one person wants to go. Okay. I'm with you. That was very telling. <laughs> um, I, I thought it would be a, a good time to do a Bible prophecy update. And uh, there's been so many things that have happened in recent times that I think would be um, kind of advantageous to us to, to, to look at some of the um, current events and the connection with Bible prophecy and you know, the Bible, the Bible is um, very unique in the fact that it is so um, prophetic. The Bible is the only book that's like this. It's obviously it's God's word, and a quarter of the Bible, one one quarter of the Bible, is prophetic. And there's so. I'm, I grab a hand mic here. Let me let me do that. For some reason, we're having a little bit of sound problems today. Um, the Bible is one quarter prophecy. Now, most of the prophecy that's in the Bible, the majority, I should say, uh, has already been fulfilled. So we we see the accuracy of the, the scriptures that when the Bible prophesies something, it happens. But we're also looking at now the the kind of the the culmination of the 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 end of or the fulfillment of the rest of the of Bible prophecy, and we're looking at how things are unfolding before us. And the Scripture actually tells us that um, as we get closer, we will have greater understanding. There, there's things that are sealed up until the end. And then there's going to be more and more understanding. And we're actually are seeing that happen. We're seeing as things are unfolding, we're starting to go, oh, yeah, I see that how that is, um, you know, kind of fulfilling what God has said here. And it's becoming more clear to us. So it's, it's a great. So as we're looking, there's more and more excitement about that, because as followers of Christ, we have a hope. It's this living hope. It's this, this, uh, this hope that the Bible says is our assurance. And, uh, and it's the hope of someday, face-to-face, seeing Christ. We're going to see the Lord, and we're looking forward to that. And, and so that hope is always before us as followers of Jesus. Someday, someday, it will be the best day of your life ever. One day, it's going to be that day when we see Christ will be the best day you've ever had in your life. And, it, and, and from that day on, you'll never have a bad day. So that's the promise that we have as followers of Jesus. And so what I want to do, because those that are watching um, Bible prophecy unfold, 
what you're seeing is different levels of things that the Bible uh, says will happen at the end of time. And, and there's lines of these things. I, the way I kind of try to graph it, they're all converging at the same time. See, so you see these, this convergence of prophetic lines. For instance, I'll just give you one. There's tons of them. But Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the nations. The word is ethnos. Every ethnos group throughout the world, and then the end will come. Well, that's a timeline. You can, you can look and you say, and, and actually missionary organizations have actually target this. They look at all the ethnos. They've, they've targeted the places all around the world. A lot of them are small pockets. Some of them are large Muslim communities. But there's these places in the world with a language sometimes that has to be learned but, but they're they're targeted. We know who, where they are. We know their, what their, you know what what the obstacles are, and missionary organizations around the world are targeting so that every one of them, because Jesus said, when all of them have heard the gospel, then the end will come. Well, we know that we, we're looking at that, and we see we see that's getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and. And there's missionary organizations that are saying by the year, which is close by, you know, we don't know for sure, but by this time, we, ha we will have put some, a missionary to preach the gospel in every single one of those little, those little targeted groups. Now, a lot of them are island, maybe island, little island communities or, or ethnos groups, language groups, you know, in places like India. Where, you know, where there's so many different languages spoken, they're just places like that, and but they're targeted. Now that's a line. See, I see see that as a line. Um, today we're going to look at some current events that are in line with um, some of the uh, a major a major Bible prophetic uh, promise that that Jesus has given us. Actually, several of them, and. And so where, where I want to go is in Acts chapter 15. And it has to do with this one thing that the Lord had made promises of. Um, God had tells, tells us in the scriptures, actually from very early on, that as the children of Israel would, would serve the Lord, the Lord would bless them above all the nations. And that was true. I mean, when they served the Lord... They were the most blessed nation in the world. They prospered tremendously. But in the same level of their prosperity and blessing when they followed the Lord, that when they rejected God as a nation, they suffered greatly. There, there's not been any group of people that has been more um, attacked and persecuted and, uh, and, and suffered uh, than the Jewish people in the world. And there's certainly groups uh, around the world that have had tremendous, but, but not like Israel. It, uh, the Jews for 2,000 years, I'm going, and, and God made this promise to them all the way back in Deuteronomy that if they rejected him, if they turned to false gods, that what would happen is he would scatter them. He'd kick them out of the land. He gave them a piece of property, and he says, this is yours, and you're my Chosen people, meaning this, that you're chosen to carry the message of who God is. That was their chosenness. They were chosen to be the ones to carry that message. And when they rejected, they, God would send them into captivity. And they would be and, and severe. The, the time they went into Babylon, kept, that captivity lasted 70 years before God brought them back to their land. And so this would happen. But then God made a very clear um, warning to them. In fact, the warning lasted for several hundred years. He told them over and over again about them turning to idols, about them rebelling against God, about them, you know, um, re, you know, rebelling against his commandments. And there was going to be a cost, and there was. 
And when they finally rejected their Messiah, when Jesus came and they would not accept him as Messiah, um, Jesus had said it w- was going to happen, that Israel, that the Jerusalem would be destroyed, the, the temple would be destroyed, the city would be destroyed. And that's exactly what happened when, when uh, Titus came in with the Roman legion and, and destroyed. And they were scattered throughout the world. And they have been for 2,000 years. But then God made these promises also. He said, in the last days, and this is one of those lines, the last days, I will restore you. I'm going to bring you back to the land. And that's actually what happened. And uh, in, in 1917, 1917 is when the, the Brits under General Allenby um, came into Jerusalem and kicked the Turks out. Um, and, and that same year, uh, Belflower, the Belflower um, Resolution was signed by, by uh, the British Prime Minister that they would then have a right, is the Jews have a right to their own land in 1917. Exactly 50 years later, 1967, 50s not an accident. It's a, it's a jubilee year. 1967, during the Six-Day War, they captured not just, it, they already had, that by then had become a nation in 1948, but they were able to capture Jerusalem. And that was an amazing gift that God gave them. But at that point, Jerusalem was considered occupied territory. And in December 6, 2017, and this is kind of a critical, and we're going to get into the scripture here in a second relating to this, but um, that at that point, President President Trump made a resolution, uh, you know, that, that and, and, uh, and they, th- for the first time, the United States declared that Jerusalem was, in fact, the capital of Israel. And that was a big deal. That was a huge deal. In fact, they, you know, I- Israel printed um, coins with President Trump's face on them. Right? It's a big deal. They, look, they looked at that because of up until then, the whole world. In fact, just prior to that, um, President Obama, for the very first time, the United States had always supported Israel's right to Jerusalem, but never went as far as to bring our, our embassy to Jerusalem. Promised it, but never did it. But President Obama, before he left, before he left office, did a terrible thing, and there was a UN resolution declaring that Jerusalem was occupied territory for the Jews, for Israel. And for the first time, a president didn't veto that attempt by the United Nations and let it go through. And it was a slap in the face to the Jews, especially Netanyahu. I know that he did not like him. And it was, uh, it, it would cost him, and will, it is costing uh, President Obama even now. There's, there's consequences to that. And, uh, and, and when President Trump did what he did, there were some benefits. I'll, we'll, we'll, let's get to the scripture and then we'll, I'm going to show you some things that have been happening now that are moving us forward to the fulfillment of these prophecies. It's in Acts chapter 15, verse 15. It says, And with this the words of the prophets agree. What prophets? The prophets of the Old Testament. So he's saying the words of the prophets agree just as it is written. After this I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. Everybody say tabernacle of David. 
Okay, tabernacle. I want you. To, I want you to remember that. That's why I have you say it. The tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, I will re rebuild its ruins. I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. Who? The the Gentiles. That's most of you here, right? I know there's some Jews here too, but most of you here are in that category. You're Gentiles. He says, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. So he says, he tells us he's going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. Now listen to this. Some of you will catch this because your Bible, you know, buffs on this one. Um, people are looking for the rebuilding of the temple. And there's a good reason for that. The, the temple is going to be rebuilt. The Bible talks about that. But he doesn't use the word temple. He uses the word tabernacle. And same in Amos. We'll read that in a minute. And that, that's because the, you know, Moses built the tabernacle. And that's what they worshipped at, the tabernacle, until Solomon, David's son, built the temple. And so... Actually, the tabernacle isn't the tabernacle of David. It's the, the tabernacle of Moses. But David was the one. He was the last one, actually, um, before. He was responsible for building the temple in the, in the regards that he pulled together all the articles, all the things that was needed, all the building material, he did all that for his son Solomon because God told David, you've been a bloody man and you cannot build the temple. Your son will build it. So he got all the articles and Solomon built the temple, but David wasn't able to. But David, David worshipped at the tabernacle. Now, why the tabernacle of David? Because it's real possible, listen, and, and because it says this several occasions, that the tabernacle will be built before the temple is built. Tabernacle was a tent. It was specific. It had certain, you know, materials holding the temp up, tent up, but it was basically a tent with animal skins and some tapestry. And the articles of the tabernacle, which became the articles of the temple, were in there. And so what would it take for a tabernacle to be built so that animal sacrifices could resume there, you know, on the Temple Mount, what would it take? Well, it wouldn't take much. It could be built in a few days. In fact, they could have everything ready to go ahead of time if that was the case, that when they wanted to start the process, it could be done in, in no time, and then the temple could be built after that. The temple eventually will be built. And we know when uh, God talks about um, the, the, uh, the, the abomination of desolation that will come, that that's, that is going to happen in the, the temple of God. But there's going to be a temple built. But the, the tabernacle could be actually found because we know that the articles were hidden from the temple and no one knows what happened to the tabernacle and where it was gone. So, in other words, you could have, because they were the, um, the posts and everything were made of gold and silver and bronze, they could still be there. They could still be usable and maybe restored. And then, and then the, the tent part of it could be built very, very rapidly. I, I'm, going, I'm going off here, but I get sidetracked on these things. I love it. Um, so he says that, that he's going to restore that. Now, in Amos, where this actually is quoted, some of this is quoted from in verse 14. Let me read that to you. I will, I will bring back the cap, cap, tip, captives of my people Israel. So this is God saying he's spreading them around the world, and he's going to bring them back. And that's exactly what happened. Spread all over the world, Jews for and people would say for us, unknown reasons. Now, the Second World War did was instrumental in that. I mean, obviously, when they're you know killing millions 
of Jews in Germany and, and other places in the world. Jews wanted their own land and, and their own home and a safe place for them to live. And so when Israel started, when they got the land, they started coming to, um, you know, to Israel from around the world. And it says, so I'm going to bring back my people, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. I actually have a photo of what Jerusalem looked like. It was a desert. People think of, you know, the, the beauty of what it looks like now, the, you know, Jerusalem and so forth. It was a desert. And you, you see pictures of just kind of, you see the, the Temple Mount area, the old city of Jerusalem like this, and all the rest is just desert land with some Bedouins sitting over here. I have several uh, photos of that that go w way back. Obviously, um, this is probably in 20, 2020, somewhere around there, some, some, sometime in that, that era. I don't know when photography became... Uh, these black and whites, I don't know how old they are, but they're before anything was built. So he says, I'm going to rebuild it. They, they shall be, be made, be also make gardens and eat from them. I will plant them in their land. No longer shall they be pulled up. Catch that phrase. No longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them. In other words, when he brings them back, they brought, he's brought them back, they're not going to ever be kicked out of the land again. I don't care what's going on in the world and all the, the talk and all the war uh, you know, plans and all of that. Israel is not going to ever be kicked out of the land again. And we know according to the book of Revelation, a portion of them will have to go into, um, the, they're going to go into hiding probably in the area of Petra. People say that or Jordan. But, but the people as a whole will not be kicked out of the land ever again. And you can count on that. Now, that's because God made a covenant. And this covenant is at the core. It's at the beginning of all of this. And, and why all God had did, did all this was because of a promise he made to one man. When God makes a promise, you can count on it. He made a promise to one man who was obedient and filled with faith. His name was Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 2, um, he, said, he had said to him, verse 1, because you have, you know, you, you um, left where you were and you went to the land that I've told you, he says, this is the promise. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Think Abraham's name is great? Yeah. And you shall be a blessing. Now, he's not talking about Abraham specifically. He's talking about his people here. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay? He says, if you bless Israel, you bless his people, you'll be blessed. If you curse them, you'll be cursed. That has happened in history. The, the nations that blessed Israel, God blessed them. And blessed the Jews, God blessed them. The people who have cursed Israel and cursed the Jews, there's been consequences for it. Babylon, you think of the nations in the past. Babylon, Persia, um, you know, the nations even, uh, you know, in Eastern Europe, like Russia. How about Spain? The, you know, Great Britain, the United States. These nations, when they blessed the Jews... God has blessed them. And you look at even Persia under Cyrus, which we'll come back to in a minute. But they, you know, Cyrus sent them back to the land. Now, now Babylon got destroyed. But when Cyrus sent them back then, the Persians were never destroyed. They were diminished because he didn't give them full, give them everything back. And so he held back some, and they, in fact, lost their you know, the, the degree of, of, uh, of uh, economic prosperity. But they're still around, right? Persia's still going. It's called Iran, right, because of that. You, you look at um, Russia. Russia then they, was doing well until they started mistreating um, 
the Jews. Spain is a great example. Spain was one of the was actually the wealthiest at, at a point. It was the wealthiest nation on the planet. It was blessed. And then they decided they're going to force every Jew to become Christian, you know, and and kill them if they don't convert. In fact, they not only threatened them if they did, but even if they did convert and they didn't and they caught them like worshiping on the Sabbath instead of Sunday or doing that, they killed them. Um, and what happened to Spain? Well, right, they, they went from prosperity to misery really fast. In fact, the Spanish Inquisition, when, when, the Span when it went into law, the day before the Spanish Inquisition, um, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. He left the day before the Inquisition started, and those three ships carried a bunch of Jews with them to the New World. And what happened from there, I mean, they went to Britain, but in Great Britain was what the empire that the sun never set on until they started mistreating the Jews, and then in a very short period of time, they shrunk because of the way they treated the Jews. And, the, you know, at one point, they were all for, they were all for the Jews having their land, but then they, they turned on Israel. They turned on the nation. And so then, then what happened to the Jews? Well, the largest majority still today came to the United States. In the, in the U.S., they were able to, to, to worship God and, and, to, um, and, and to live in prosperity. And in fact, today, right now, it's between us and Israel. We're right at about 50% each. We, we have about, just about the same amount of Jews as the nation of Israel does. And, and a lot of Jews that are, are in Israel came from the United States. They're moving there. They still have been moving there. Um, and God has blessed the United States because the United States has supported Israel. Listen, that... <laughs> We don't have time to go through the history, but there's there's whole books on this subject of how when when nations mistreat Israel, even even in even in recent times, like you know the former Venezuelan president Hugo Chavez, he publicly cursed Israel. This is the words he said. He says, "I curse Israel from the depths of my intestines." pretty bad because the next day he got an intense intestinal pain in his belly and he had contracted a rare form of cancer that took him out. And in South America leaders who shared that four of those leaders are out of have lost power in their countries. It's, it's an amazing thing. You look through the history of this, we don't have time to do all of that. Um, the point being that when our president made the decision to recognize Jerusalem, that was a good thing. That was a good thing for our nation. And so there's been a couple of real events that, we, we'll, that have connected with some of the end times things that we would expect in, in this. So let me just go through them fairly, fairly rapidly. Um, the United States, President Trump, decided on December 19, 2018, just, what, 10 weeks ago? Um, no, a little bit more than that, that he was going to um, withdraw from Syria. I think it was about 10 weeks ago that they started the withdrawal. And, uh, and he was going to take all the all of the military out of Syria. Some of you probably heard that in the news. But he was talked out of taking them all out, so he's left like 400, um, from what I understand, he's left uh, 400 troops in Syria, which is not a lot. What he's left in is not much. Not enough to do much. The hope is that if anything spurs up, they can go from Iraq and, 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 and get into Syria. But the point 
is, and this is the, the issue. I want to show you this picture that happened the day after he made the announcement. In Washington, D.C. was this man. He's the Turkish president, Recep Erdogan. This is a very interesting man. He will be, I believe, very instrumental in fulfilling Bible prophecy. Because Erdogan has a dream. And his dream is that he is going to restore the Islamic caliphate in the Middle East. He wants to bring back the Ottoman Empire. The last time that, that the Muslims had you know, their, their day of you know, where they, they were on the top of the world. They were the, the Ottoman Empire was the most powerful empire in the world for at least 400 years, some say up to eight. But at least 400 years, the most powerful empire in the world. And he desires to bring that back. And his dream is to restore the Ottoman Empire under Turkish leadership by the year 2023. Now, why 2023? And, and he's working a plan. They're working a plan. The reason 2023 is because 1923 was the end of the Ottoman Empire. So on the 100th year anniversary of, of the end of the Ottoman Empire, he wants to restore the Ottoman Empire. And his goal is to get the, the nations to gather around of course, building their own empire together. And it's right now, there's two nations that want to do that. One is Iran and one is Turkey. But biblically, Turkey is going to be, the, I believe, the, the nation that the Antichrist comes out of and, uh, and the, the, um, really the leadership against Israel. Turkey is, well, Turkey is the place when you start reading the book of Revelation, it's where the seven churches were that have now been, you know, destroyed. Um, but it's also where the book of Revelation says was the seat of Satan was in Turkey. Now, we have a lot of things. We've done a whole teaching on this. And so, but the point being that his goal is to do that. But he has somebody, he has, he has a group that's, that's given him trouble in making that happen, and that is Iran. Iran is working hard to themselves be the leader of the Middle East. Now, then there was another interesting thing that happened, and it happened on March 21st. Now, that was just, you know, uh, what, a week, a little over a week ago. And that was that President Trump announced that the United States recognizes Israel's right to, to annex the Golan Heights. Now, if you and some of you are staring at me like, yeah, so big deal what? Um, the Golan Heights were taken by Israel in the Six-Day War. The Golan Heights is, if, if you go there, you can over, you oversee the entire, you can oversee Israel from the Golan Heights. It's this high place that, the, that Syria would rain down missiles from. And it was a place that, you know, Israel for Israel to try to take it, it just cost them dearly to try to take it. And they did take it in, in the Six-Day War. And they, they have been told that they have no right to that piece of property, even though they took it in war in defending their own nation. And they have said, we're not giving it back. And the president of the United States, I'm so proud of him on this thing. I don't agree with everything he, he, uh, he does, but this was, this was the right thing to do. And he stood up and says, the United States recognizes Israel's right to the Golan Heights. And in doing so, I not only think that he's blessed, blessed them, but he is fulfilling Bible prophecy because you see, God had promised the children of Israel their land back, but they've only gotten a portion of their land back. They only got a portion of it. And what is happening is wars have broken out, and each time they get in a war, they expand it. It gets bigger, you see? 
And God doesn't want them to take and to give it back. So President Trump is hailed like a, this, in, in, at the, um, when Netanyahu was here, um, you know, last week, and he, he was able to, um, he was talking to the, the president, he said this about the president. He, t- he, said, he said, he is like Cyrus. He named four leaders who have blessed Israel throughout history. You know, there's been others, but, um, but he named, and, and he says he's like Cyrus. Because in Israel, they recognize President Trump as a Cyrus. Now, Cyrus was, he was the um, emperor of the Persian Empire. And when Israel was in captivity to the Persian Empire, it was Cyrus. When he came into power, he was not a believer, but he came into power and he freed Israel to go back to the land and build their temple. And they look at him as a Cyrus. In fact, so much so that the Temple Mount Institute has uh, uh, given a coin. There is a President Trump and Cyrus. I mean, this is not. This is something they recognize. They say he's like Cyrus, helping us. What? To get the temple rebuilt. See, there's Cyrus, and then there's Bellflower. Bellflower, he was the one who uh, who wrote the decree that Israel gets to come back in their land in, ni- in uh, 1917 when that happened. Okay. So here's the Prime Minister Netanyahu. Benjamin Netanyahu is there, and he says that to the president. But something is going on supernaturally, and I want to tell you this story. Actually, Ray Bentley, who is a good Bible teacher, a solid man, um, has a friend. His name was Robert Maria. Maria. And uh, Robert was an African minister. And uh, the Lord has spoken to him, saying, you have to give a word to Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, this was in the late 90s. Get this. So he goes, you know, like, what do I do? How can I do that, right? I, I got to go talk. He's a, he's a minister. He's in the United States when he gets the word. He says, you got to go talk to Benjamin Netanyahu. God gives him this word, and he doesn't know what to do with that. And so um, he, he, um, he got this word, go to Dallas. So he gets on a plane. He goes to Dallas, Texas. And he was, he's at this event that in Dallas, Texas, and someone taps him on the shoulder and says to him, you have to go to this other gathering. You're in the wrong place. He didn't know who he, this person is, but the person just tells him you're in the wrong place. So he goes to this other gathering, and the man that's talking uh, at this, is speaking, is the mayor of Ariel in Israel. It's a town in Israel. He, he's the mayor, and he's speaking. So he walks up to this man at, afterward, and he says to him, I have to talk to the prime minister. I have a word from God for the prime minister. And this mayor says, well, okay, let me see what I can do. And sure enough, Robert miraculously is given an audience with Benjamin Netanyahu. And he's told, you have one minute. So he goes in. And by the way, Netanyahu has gets words by a lot of people. You know, he's... He's the president. So different people think they have a word for the, you know, and I'm sure he gets, has gotten a little sick of it. Um, but he gets, lets him in, and uh, he says, uh, and, and Robert says, I have this word for you. The Lord says, I have, uh, I have placed you in the place of power. I have given you this position. Do not give up the land. If you do, I will remove, 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 I had a hard time, remove you from power. And that was it. Benjamin Netanyahu uh, kind of laughed it off a little bit and then he dismissed it. And later on, he was pressured by President Clinton and Yasser Arafat to give up some land for peace. And he did. 
And within a year, 1999, he was removed from power. He was out. Now, that's not the end of the story. A number of years later, Netanyahu is back in America attending a gathering in Florida of Christians who support Israel. And this African minister, Robert, gets another word. Speak to him again. Now, the first time he gave him the word, there was a group of people witnessing what happened. He wasn't alone. There was a group of people as he gave him the word the first time. One of the people that was witnessing it was Ariel Sharon. Ariel Sharon would become the prime minister after Netanyahu went out. And Ariel heard the word. He heard Robert tell him, don't give up the land. And he saw that once Netanyahu did give up the land, he lost position, but it didn't phase him. Because he, he wasn't listening for the word of God. And so what did he do? He made a land for peace deal. He was building, getting ready to submit a land for peace deal where they would give up the entire West Bank for peace, split, split Israel. He had the drawings made, a map made, that he was going to present to the President of the United States, and they had already kind of started talking about it, and they, uh, on and that day, it was coming. It was coming that morning. It was going to arrive that morning. It was, the guy worked on it the night before on January 3rd. On January 4th, it was going to be presented January 4th, 2006. And Sharon had a stroke. And it put him in a coma. And he was in that coma from 2006 to 2014, where he died, God would not let him give up the land. Back to our story. So now Robert is brought to the green room where Netanyahu is at this gathering. And this time, he takes Robert a little bit more seriously and because uh, he's out of power. And so Robert says, I have another word for you. You remember me, yes. He says, you're not finished. I will again place you back in power to lead the nation of Israel. And this time, you, will, you are not to give any of the land back. I will put you there, and it will be a critical time in history for my nation. So, March 2009... He was sworn in a second time. So since that time, he has not wavered one bit in giving any land back. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I didn't forget, but I did on purpose. Robert said to him, you will be there to initiate the tabernacle of David. Now, then, by the way, Robert and Ray Bentley had another, got another opportunity to meet with Benjamin Netanyahu uh, here just a while back, after he was in for a while. And he was, actually, he invited him into his office. So he's in his office um, where he's met with open arms. And, uh, and after a short conversation, Netanyahu says, let me show you something. He goes back around and he pulls out this picture and it's of the future temple to be built. And he says, this is why I am in office. Now, folks, I'm telling you that because the desire to build a temple, which, by the way, has to be built for the fulfillment of end times prophecy, it will be built, God has said it, you can always count on it. But what we're seeing is the, the, the process of that happening. Right now, the Muslims own the Temple Mount. They run it. They don't own it, but they run it. And they were given it because they have their two mosques there, but that's the place that they want to build the temple. And 
And so they don't even go up there. They can't even go up there. Jews are not allowed up on the Temple Mount. Even though it's the place where has been the place of their worship, you know, and so, um, so there, there's an understanding that there is this um, dream, believe God, God ordained for this to happen. Now, I have a little video I want to show you. Um, go ahead and and uh, get that started. Just pause it for a second. Let me give you a. Um, this is uh, the Secretary of State, um, Pompeo. Thank you. Um, I had a brain fade. Uh, Mike Pompeo, and he's and and of course uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. They're at the Wailing Wall. They're they're there at the um, the Eastern Wall and they're the the Western Wall. They're praying, and and uh, that's where they put in those little prayer requests right into the rocks and so forth and go ahead and get it continue so you have the secretary of state there because of this time of annexing um the 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 height this is this is recent and and they're and they're kind of given some uh, artistic rendition but they're going to walk the this into the underground and what you can do it's uh this is uh the the Wailing Wall, and they're going down. And what where he's taking them is to a place where they're, a, they're he's going to show them a map. Keep going. Did it, did we pass the map? No, the map's coming up. There, stop right there. Okay. What he's showing them, you see that building right in the middle? That is a future temple. What he's showing the Secretary of State, and by the way, the president went this same route too. He has shown the president, and now we're actually seeing it. I probably They probably didn't want on video to show the president seeing this. But he's showing the Secretary of State their plans of building the temple on the Temple Mount. Now, that's significant. You go a little bit further. I want to show you a couple more things and we're, we're done. Um, then they go into the Knesset. And this is a place where they had to build the Knesset so that the 70 elders, as in the Old Testament, who rule Israel, will be the rulers of Israel, they have to build that before they can build the temple they, because they are the ruling party, a group that will make decisions about the building of the temple. Stop it right there. You see the menorah over here on the left behind this gentleman on the far left, your far left? That's already made because they're building articles of the temple already they're already got articles of the temple already ready to go the ones they can they can't build the ark of the covenant they need that and they need they need the um the ashes or the container of the ashes of the red heifer there's some other things that they still need to find um some people say that they already know where the ark is and they're just waiting for the proper time to bring it out that they already actually have it whether that's true or not it's I can't say for sure, but um, but they're already in in this operation. Okay, that's good enough right there. Um, now I mentioned the giving back of the Golden Heights. Let me quickly tell you this: what's going on? Um, General Keene, I think his picture is right here. Recently, that's an older picture. He was much younger. Um, but he has recently given, t t given us some insight what's going on in Iran and in, in uh, Lebanon and Syria. Iran wants, has, has wanted to destroy Israel, get the United States out of, out of the Middle East, destroy Israel. That's been their plan. They have, they have said that over and over again for 37 years. Now, Iran wants to take over. And what their plan is, 
they used other nations to do their bidding. They had put 130,000 missiles in Lebanon. They pretty much run Lebanon. They, because the United States is pulling out of Syria, they have dreams of controlling Syria. They have been invited in, Russia, Turkey, and Iran. But Iran has a goal of setting up bases. In fact, they have already attempted to set up bases in Syria with, for mis missile launch, but Israel, when they found out, attacked them. And you you've probably in the news saw that, that they attacked, they attacked in Syria. That's what they were attacking, Iranian bases, because this is what he says is the goal. He says they want to put bases in Syria to shoot missiles. They already have 130,000 missiles in Lebanon. They want to inundate over, you know, the, the, the Iron Dome of, uh, of Israel. They just want to just, they, there's no way they could stop that many missiles. And they're just going to chuck everything into Israel. He says this. He says Iran uses these other countries and thinks that, you, that Israel won't attack them because these, uh, it's coming from these other countries. He says they don't understand. If Israel gets hit like this, it will be the worst disaster in Israel's history as far as loss of life. It will be disastrous for Israel. He says they will attack with a fury, and they will hit Iran at its core. They will hit major cities. They will come against them. He says that's what, he, and, and he was asked, well, what's the likelihood of this happening? He says, very, very likely. This is going to pretty much saying this is going to happen. Because you have a nation that has said they're going to do it for 37 years. Their whole and as their economy is being diminished, when Trump put, Trump actually is, is uh, sucking the economy out of Iran. He has put blockades and so forth. And Iran econ economically, the first day he broke the treaty, th the uh, Iranian ec economy dropped 50%. So what happens as their economy is going down and they start to lose power in the nation? There's one way to keep it. Start a war. And try to do what they're going to try to do. When they do that, I believe Israel is going to destroy. And not, what, what's the significance of this? When this happens, by the way, Iran is trying to squeeze out Saudi Arabia. They've gone into Yemen, uh, Yemen and, um, and they're pushing on both sides and they're taking off the, uh, they're crunching the waterways into Saudi Arabia. They want, they're trying to control. But when they do that, I believe they're going to be demolished. Their strength in the Middle East is going to be demolished. And who's going to rise up? Turkey. Turkey's going to be the one to gather all those Muslim nations together. And Erdogan's going to have his dream and the beginning. I believe the Antichrist comes out of that. And that is the Antichrist um, nations that are going to do that. Now, there have been some m amazing prophetic words like the one I shared. And I don't, I don't share them. Um, when someone prophesies, I never run my life by the prophecy of somebody else, only the Bible. That's all. That's, but you, you watch when, when there's a prophetic word, especially if it's somebody that you highly regard, like David Wilkerson. He's passed away. David Wilkerson was, had this pro prophetic gift. Gift. Some of you would know he wrote Crossing the Switchblade. He's Team Challenge. He's the one who started Team Challenge. He had this prophetic gift. Um, the day before 9-11, he's out of the state. God wakes him up and tells him to call his, um, his administrator at his church. His church was a mile down the street from the Twin Towers. So he calls up the night before. And he tells, God to spoke to me, call everybody in the church to make sandwiches and bring them to the church. So they gather and they, they make all these sandwiches, bring it to the church. They're all ready. 9-11 hits and all those people, the workers and all of that, where did they come? They were all coming into his church. He was all prepared with prayer warriors and people. 
Why? Because God has spoken to them the night before about what God. There are prophetic people like that. And there's, there's a man, I'm not going to give his name right now because I'm not sure how everything's going to come out. But we're going to find out about Robert's prophecy in a week. Because Israel is having their election. And the prime minister, Netanyahu, has, has uh, it looked like he was possibly going to lose. Recently, the polls are trending his direction. We're going to see if Robert's right in a week. But if he is again, he will have been the longest reigning prime minister in the history of Israel. That's what he's he's going to he, he's heading for. But anyhow, this other prophecy. There was a man in 1999 who prophesied that the Middle East were sending airplanes into New York. He didn't say hit towers, but airplanes, Middle Eastern airplanes, to attack New York. He said that in 1999, his prophecy, and uh, obviously it happened, and he prophesied how we would respond to that. He also prophesied some other things. In 2004, he prophesied that, get this, and you can, you can actually follow this. It's kind of amazing. Um, the videotape, the time, everything. He prophesied that Donald Trump would be president. He not only prophesied Donald Trump would be president, he prophesied that he, they would try to um, get him out of office by impeaching him, and he said it would fail. He prophesied that, um, that, that Donald Trump would build a wall to protect the United, United States. I mean, there's a lot of kind of amazing how did he know these kinds of things, right? Those kinds of prophecies. T prophesied about the, um, the Supreme Court. Now, one of the prophecies, he, he has passed away, by the way. He passed away a week after Trump was uh, inaugurated and went to, went to be with the Lord. And, um, but one of the prophecies he prophesied, he said um, that the United States would have economic, economic prosperity for seven years starting on when the stock market hit 20,000. And the Dow hit 20,000 the week after pres the president was inaugurated. And from that point, he said there would be a seven, year pro se seven years of prosperity. Um, he also prophesied, and this is what we'll find this one out in two years, he prophesied that the president would have two terms. And... Uh, and that 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 was going to happen, and he was going to help, and God was going to restore the prosperity to Israel, and the prosperity of the United States. This this seven year prophecy, by the way, goes along with some of the others we talked about. Um, the 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 I'm good, but we talked about some real pro prophetic words about seven years of prosperity for America. Followed by seven years of, 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 uh, of a down, kind of like what happened in Joseph, where in Egypt, where there were seven years of prosperity, where the people of God could gather, and be blessed, and God was God did it for the blessing. Remember, the seven years of prosperity was to bless God's people, because as that was gathered and Joseph did it, then when 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 uh, his family and the children of Israel came over and they were, they were put, put in the Golan, that was because of, uh, of the prosperity that was available because they listened to God. And, and so this was a prophecy. And you know what? I, here's here's where, what I, I take from this. Take what you will with this. Um, if he's right, um, we have about five more years until there's a downturn, if that's the case. I suggest it would just be, listen, this is biblical, right? I mean, you don't have to have a prophecy to do this. It's biblical to get your house financially in order. It is biblical to just do it right. And I actually believe that God has used the man to bless the church 
in the United States. And, um, and he, he has built a program that mostly Christians are following. It's not just to Christians. And he, um, we actually do his, sem- you know, his uh, seminar. What? Dave, Ra- David Ramsey, thank you. Um, David Ramsey is the third most listened to radio program in the nation. So he's listened to not just, he's not just on, in fact, he's mostly not on Christian nation, on, uh, stations, but he's throughout the country. And, and, uh, and David Ramsey has this real push for people to get out of debt and to get their finances in order. And millions, millions of people, mostly Christians, have been listening to him because he uses the scripture, he uses the Bible have been listening to him across this country to get their finances in order. And I believe that as that's happening, when there's a downturn, you know who's going to be the people who are most blessed? It's going to be the believers. And that is also part of the promise of God, that the prosperity comes so that the people of God will be sustained and blessed during, not just sustained, blessed during the time of of uh, downturn, so that's just me. You know, you can go. Well, Rick, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know economics. I know. I don't. Just telling you. I think something's coming up. Anyhow, so what is this all about? Let me close with this one word. When God says something, you can count on it, folks. He's in charge. And you might, you know, the, the, all the, these leaders, people in power are going, you know, it's going to happen this way. This is what's going to go on. And God just sits back and laughs. I'll get done. He, you know, he goes, I'll get done what I'm going to get done. And that's not just the world. That's in your life. You can count on God. Some of you are standing on the promises of God. You're in the most secure place that you can be. You stand on the promises of God. And God's going to get it done. You stand on those promises. You trust him. Father, I thank you for your many, 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 many blessings to our life. I thank you that we can count on you. And that, Lord, as we look at these things that are coming, your, your word tells us not to fear, but to rejoice, to look. Because someday it's going to be the best day of our life. Lord, when we see you face to face. So, Lord, in the meantime, let us, Lord, keep our eyes open and keep our hearts in the, in the right place. And, Father, I pray for those people that are here today that they have not received you. They've not said yes to you. And I just want to say to those of you who are here, you still have time. You have today. You have now. As long as you have breath, you have time to share You have time to accept, to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. You can invite Christ into your life, have your sins forgiven, and you can just say a prayer that he will listen to, he will respond to. You just say this to God, dear God, cleanse my soul. Forgive me for my sins. I turn to you. I believe Jesus is the son of God who died for my sins and was buried and conquered death. So, Jesus, you're my Savior, and I choose to follow you from now on. And I thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, we're going to close with one song, and we're going to worship. And, uh, and we're also going to receive the offering at the same time. Worship with our gifts and with our mouth. All right? And uh, so if you would like to give at this time, you're, you're welcome to do that. And, Father, we ask that you bless Gift and Giver as we give to you. And, Lord, as we lift our heart to you, be blessed. We pray. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. <laughs>